All right. Um, let's do another show. I'm doing now, a show. Do you, you know, because we're doing these shows, you're, you're going to do it. Why you want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's oh, okay. do a show. Yeah, I do we're here. Let's just. Now. The reason why is because, you know, we're going to be a lot better about doing shows. Yeah, we're going to be like, I mean, I think we've proven it. We put one out last week. But that was it. We proved it. You're right. So I think we proved ourselves. That's a wrap. We've proved ourselves enough. Go back to inconsistencies, ladies and gentlemen. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I am John Huck. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. Anonymous. I tried to say it at the same time as you. I actually did it backwards that time. Normally I say, welcome, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. Right. Everybody, I am Brian Irwin. Oh, yeah. But it's okay, man. We're mixing it up on right. this. Right. As uh, soon as we talk about consistency, you change everything. Listen, that's part of it. Uh, okay. Going into things without fear. If I was to work off of the last thing, you know, my inspirational speech towards the end, it's like, that's the next thing. It's like, seek life without fear. Oh. Or like something. A little bit of a haiku. And don't ever call me Tony Robbins again like you did in the last episode, because that guy is disgusting. He's always well, been disgusting. I, what I said was... And he's being exposed even more. What as I a, said as was, a, we need a new Tony Robbins. No. Do you think that... Do you meditate? Yeah. What kind of meditation do you do? Uh, I just basically try to follow my breath for 10 minutes. Follow it? Like you actually see it? No, just pay attention to only my breath. Okay, what does that mean? Walk me through. What does that actually mean? Because um, like I'm confused. I, I sit, well, no, I mean meditation. And I mean this genuinely. I, I'm confused because I, I, by the way, just so you know where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. um, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I could go get a prescription for marijuana and calm down. Or I could I could meditate, and then I heard a lot of people talking about transcendental meditation. meditation. But then I looked into it, and it's a lot of fucking money, which that, I thought was a little bit weird. So it felt a little bit anway to me. Like I I haven't gotten too deep into the whole meditation thing, but and I remember uh, a former guest, Court McCowan, talked about he he meditates and stuff like that. And so I've heard a lot of people that do it, the benefits of it. But I'm I'm confused as to why you got to pay so much to do it. Like and and so that that's my that's why I was curious if you did it. Uh, transcendental meditation is something a little bit different. And okay. I was gonna take I was gonna go to one of those classes, and then I looked into how much it was myself and I was like that is that seems excessive for something that should be free uh yeah but at the same time that uses um transcendental meditation I'm not 100% sure of all the I took a transcendental meditation class in college but we just like basically all I ever did was close my eyes and just imagine stuff and then write about that like I didn't really like meditate necessarily as much as my imagination just went crazy okay um but uh, I'm not sure with, with with the transcendental meditation thing. Once you paid the fees or you start paying fees, you then get this kind of support group and like these centers you can go to kind of all over the place. But I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't really speak to that. I know that if you're really interested in meditation, what I would suggest or recommend is there's a book called Eight Minute Meditation. All right, and it basically walks you through different meditations you can do, uh, and it kind of builds you up to like an eight ten minute interval and then you're able from there to kind of take it yourself okay so here's my second question so now we know that you do it do you see the benefit of doing it or are you still trying to figure that part out no i definitely i've definitely i feel the benefit okay i mean i um enlightened or just um i i don't know if i i mean i've I've, i feel like i would say i would feel cocky if i was like oh i'm i'm more enlightened but i think 
I think what it helps me with is the same thing like a hallucinogenic, like LSD or <laughs> I was going to make a joke about LSD. It is funny that you brought or, that up. Or like mushrooms would do, which is kind of reveal to you that everything is ever-changing. Yeah. And we're all basically just made... Everything is made up of molecules and mm-hmm. atoms and... Yep, energy. Energy and... And it, and you just kind of you through that like if if you realize that we're all energy and everything is like we're all you know it kind of becomes like the matrix we're all the, we're all connected everything is connected like I think that has been helpful and it it's it's helped calm my I've become less reactionary mm-hmm. like when. I still get reactionary, and I'll get defensive, and I'll snap, and I'll say something that kind of comes out of my unconscious or whatever, but if I am being present in whatever I'm doing, which is another thing I think meditation helps center you and, 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 and make you, helps you understand, like, basically when you meditate, or what I do is, like, when I breathe in through my nose, I kind of, like, pause a second, and then I breathe out, and then I just, if I can just think, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, Breathing out as I'm doing it, you just focus on that. Everything is essentially a small death. Like when you breathe out, it goes away, but then it comes back. Like there's, I, f- I just think that it helps, it can help calm you. And at the same time, you realize that nothing, like everything is sort of made up like yeah. every, and then you get traffic and get angry well right right, right. But, that, but, but then but then you start thinking like what am i then you you're more after you after for me after i meditated for a while i started to then question my behavior and tried to be uh like eyes instead of being the thoughts i was having yeah tried to observe those thoughts from like a consciousness above just my reactions like if you cut me off in traffic i'm like oh you fucking piece of shit yeah like standard now right now like why why are you a piece you have you might not even know you cut me off you might your dog might have just died you might be on a phone call that's giving you bad i don't know anything about your situation or why you cut me off it's yeah and all i really know deep down is that we are all connected and that i can't assume was on purpose and even if it was then I just feel bad for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're, you're right. Because like yesterday, a guy got, I had to get around a car and I have to drive up a hill uh, to get where I was going. And the guy was upset across from me because in his mind, I had taken up the whole road, like intentionally. But he lost his shit. And I started laughing. And my kid was like, why are you laughing at the guy? Because my, my response was, I, call, I realized, I was like, because he's not mad at me, guys. Nobody reacts that way because for one second, I took up more lane. I said, there's something else going on in that guy's life. He's just using this moment to lose his shit. Yeah. And normally, I would have been like, man, fuck you too, motherfucker. But for whatever reason, I instantly identified that I was like, why, why, why get in that, why extend that anger in that moment, right? But going back to the energy thing, and I alluded to this on the last show, and then we'll, we'll move on to uh, um, the topic of the day, um, was uh, um, I was talking about my neighbor, Lou, had passed. Uh, what I didn't share with you was that um, the night that he uh, died, he, w- he was brain dead first before he died, I, I was pulling up 
uh, at around six o'clock that evening. And as I was driving past his house, all of a sudden something hit me and I said, I got to tell my kids that, that Lou's dead. And I thought, oh, why, why, what, that's weird, like talking about my kids about death, whatever. And I kind of shook it off. Went inside. Uh, my wife said, hey, did you see Lou today? I was just wondering. I, got, I, just, I just didn't I, I didn't see him. Normally, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking about it. We both dismissed it. And then within a half an hour, we got that text that he was in the hospital and that he was brain dead. Wow. And that she'd go there. Now, I'd never happened, had that happen. My mother had shared an experience once where she had it, where a friend visited her in a dream in the middle of the night, and she thought it was very intense and odd. And when she woke up that morning, she had found out her friend had died. And so, like, that was the only connection I'd ever had with that. So I, what I believe was, going back, to, it's an energy thing. Like, I'm not going to get too deep into how it all works. It was an energy thing. There's no doubt about it. So that's why I think that that was part of my journey of trying to figure out this whole meditation thing and understanding what is going on with the human body and the environment and all that kind of stuff without getting too big into it. But it's definitely something that I'm going to continue to research and try to figure out on my own because I don't ever want it to feel forced because it feels forced on me. No. Like it won't. And then like I watch I watch the documentary Wild Wild West on Netflix that everybody was wild, bragging wild, about. Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country. Uh, did you see it? Yeah. I will warn everybody in advance, uh, don't, don't expect like a big a big to-do reveal at the end. Just don't, because then you're going to be let down. That was the only thing I would say about that whole thing. Very interesting. The whole first Very chunk, I was like, this is like a Grateful Dead parking lot. Yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> but but just be warned that the end is not, it's not going to be the, wow, holy, holy, come on. I, I think the whole thing is like, wait, what? Why do you, how did this happen? Like, well, what? that's the thing is having grown up on the back end of that and remembering a little bit, we had somebody in our family that we, we called, they quote unquote, a Mooney. Yeah, they were in a cult. Cults were very big at a certain point in time in my life, and I never really understood it. Most of them just turned into Scientology. But the thing is that they do exist out there, and they were really big back then. They were big in the I think started a lot of them came up to the late sixties, seventies, eighties. And at first, it's like, oh no, this is just a yogi thing. These are just people being happy, and you kind of start realizing the the uh, it's more about the influence of power and how it corrupts. Everything that starts good yeah. gets corrupted by power and money. Anyway, so um, just interesting. We'll talk more about but the. Uh, I can lend you that book too. It's absolutely, eight and then I'll lend it to some one of our listeners. And, and then you just feel you're, it's not forced on you. You're literally going through and kind of using what works for you. Yeah, and then, yeah I just you know I'm in an exploration stage as far as that stuff goes. But good, you should. But be. Um, I, I want I want to I'm going to get our guests on 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 online right now. Um, his we name got is a Phoner today, guys. We do, yeah, because he's in Mexico, I believe. On the run. Um, before we get started in the conversation, I want to get him on the blower. Hello, Wes Sample, Brian Irwin. Yes, goes? good. And John Huck is, Hi, is, is in the house as well. Wes, Hello, we, we we were talking about other things uh, before we got into what the reason why I have you on the show today, just so I will start the story from the beginning. But Wes, I know Wes. Um, in the previous <coughs> episode, we were talking about the comedy store and the passing of Mitzi. Sure, yeah. and I um, I met Wes through the comedy store in La Jolla, where I started. I moved, I, I, moved, I, I did the classic from Wisconsin. I'm moving to Los Angeles, and then I went to San, <laughs> to San Diego. And I went to San Diego. <laughs> Perfect. Lived with my sister and uh, was told about this amazing club, the Comedy Store in La Jolla. And I was like, no, you mean the Comedy Store in Los Angeles? They're like, no, La Jolla. So that's where I initially hung my hat as a comedy store, which is where I met Wes. And Wes, it's crazy thinking about this now, but that was 18 years ago. 
Dude, I know, man. Wasn't that just some some of the greatest times? It was such cool because we were the only club in town in San Diego. Yeah, and just like we were the we were the pack in San Diego. So it was a gr- great group of people too. It was a great group of people. I believe the general manager that time that I started there was a, I think a guy named Tony, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah, that was the same here. Yep, he was there. And my favorite story, and Wes, it'll be interesting to see if you remember this guy. So. Um, there was outside of Lou, the piano player, love Lou to death. Lou is Lou's married to there. Vicky Barbalak. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a great comedian. Um, but th- I, I always remember, and you're, I hope you remember the guy's name. He wore a little tiny cape and he was always oh, yeah. on stage and he would always say like, he'd do a joke and he would say, thank you. And I remember when I first got there, cause you would already, I think it already started coming there. You already were familiar with some of these cast of characters that were already there. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking Tony, the general manager, I'm like, what's up with the dude with the cape? Cause he doesn't. He didn't acknowledge the cape. He just wears never the cape. He never brings it up. He never yeah. brings it up. And he said to me, he goes, oh, he's been coming here for like a decade. And he goes, uh, he's been telling the same jokes. And I, as a joke, told him one time, like, you know what would make the jokes better is if you wore a cape. And he took me seriously. And he had just started wearing a cape and never acknowledged the cape. And I, do you, you remember what that guy's name was? Leo Fontaine. Leo Fontaine. Wow. Yeah, and he he would also when he when he end his terrible joke he, and nobody would laugh, he would say once again to hit for the crowd. <laughs> that's right. That was his hook. That's right. Okay, yeah. that's his catchphrase. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Leo Fontaine with that the cape. Awesome. What's a, that's a yeah. great name. Was that his real name or was that a stage name? I, I think so, and I, I want to say he was a teacher, which made it even creepier. Yeah. <laughs> And he was real soft. He was like a played, he was like a dough boy. Like you would touch him and it would be <laughs> creepy. Like one of those Stretch Armstrong kind oh. of toys that remember you used to have. It was weird. Oh, there, there, I don't, yeah, there was, I will, I, I agree with you, Wes, about one thing. I will, when I look back on my journey uh, coming from Wisconsin to, um, to Los Angeles, but, but taking that little detour to San Diego, was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my entire life. And it all revolved. I lived in Chula Vista with my sister, but I spent a lot of time in La Jolla, not just at the club, but also there was a beautiful beach that is gone now. I believe the, the, uh, it got washed up. I forget what the way where all the surfers used to be in that area. Wind and sea, wind wind and sea. sea. Yeah. Awesome. I spent so much time just hanging out there, body surfing, doing all the stuff. And Uh I'll never forget that we were talking about meditation when the show started. I'll never forget. I remember. I believe there was a another comic by the name of Paul. He was an older guy, uh, blonde-haired guy. I forget his last. Paul Shefflin. Yeah, Paul, Paul Shefflin. Super nice guy. Yeah. And he was the one who tipped me off to wind and scene. He was like, you know what, man? Just go out there, go and jump in the waves, dude, and just like let it go. Just like you know, kind of like that was his thing. Was like it's total like San Diego bullshit, right? Yeah. Like you're like he's like just get in the water and let but it go. It's not bullshit, though. but you know what I'm saying. So like, true, in, my, in my mind, as a guy from Wisconsin, yeah, you're really, like yeah. we don't go, th- we don't jump in the yeah. waves because it's fucking freezing yeah. cold in Lake Michigan. Yeah, a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. So like, and I did that, and I was like, dude is right, man. And I, I was like, the first time I found some center balance and like an acceptance ah. of like the choice that I had made going from Wisconsin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a big choice in my life. I was 31 years old when I left to move to California, right? Like normally you would do that when you're 19, 20, 21 years old and stupid. I was 31 and stupid. And I had already lived a whole nother life. And so like I was making a, I was like, am I making the right choice? Am I doing all these things? Like that, I, I, that's where I found myself was in La Jolla. You know, it was Uh. a very interesting place, the whole wind and sea and getting to know all you guys, Justin Davis, you know, was yep, down yep. there. Dat fan was down there at that time. 
<laughs> um, and then all the wonderful ladies, uh, the bartender, Svan. You know, Sven, oh, sweetheart. Sven, the, 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 the Swedish guy, yeah. Lee Lampson Quay, Jen Kane, you know. <laughs> Jesus. Matt I Brad. still hang out with Leah. Remember Leah, the old yes. comedy store manager. I she still eventually... see her and her husband all the time. Oh and she God. works with the she works with the Padres. Go figure. Oh She's got God. a job. Yeah, yeah, to not go too far down comedy store lane, but like, yeah, it was it was amazing. And boy, did we have some nights. That's all I'm going to say yeah, about bro. that. We had plenty of nights um, <laughs> at the uh, at the wonderful wonderful comedy store in uh, La Jolla. But one of the things that always stuck with me. It was the fact that you um, were a bat boy for the San Diego Padres in your youth. And before we get knee deep in that, I wanted to share a, a story that just happened to me recently, which reminded me that I've been bragging about you forever with John about getting you on the show because your stories are amazing, was that for the first time ever, and I've loved baseball ever since I was a small child, and having lived out here for 18 years, never went to spring training. Like that's a people always like, oh, mm-hmm. you should go to spring training. It's a completely different experience, completely different experience. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So finally, the wife, of course, puts the whole thing together. <clears throat> we go down to spring training. We go see the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Brewers, because that's the beauty of it, too, is you can drive around yeah, and see all, all these there. different clubs yep. and do the thing. The Dodgers share with the White Sox. Brewers have their own uh, camp, and uh, the Cubs, obviously, you know, they're the ones. You're they're like, the gems oh my God. of Arizona. Yeah, they got the like, <laughs> Wrigley Field. They can have whatever they want. Yeah, they yeah. can have whatever they want. Um, but without getting into all the, the craziness, like we, I, I, I think I told John I when I when we went first day we went to the Dodgers and that was really cool. My kids were you know talking to Corey Seager right on the other side of a fence while he was playing a um, uh, a scrimmage game, uh, not like one of the regular spring training games, but just a practice game early in the day with, with the White Sox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the guys would just be right on the other side of the fence and being able to watch my kids just walk up to the fence and be like, hey, Corey, and be like, how are you guys doing? Like, And just like, it was a different type of experience, right? Okay. Yeah. And so that was that was day one, and then we went and saw um, the, the, the Dodgers and the Brewers play, and I thought, you know, this is just really cool, like the whole experience, just, just being around that environment was really cool. Yeah, um, the smell of the field, the grass, yeah. the the heat, that this sounds everything. Yeah. It's crazy. The spring training is awesome. It's I mean, just, it really uh, is. It's, way it more is personal. Just, uh, it's yeah, just yeah. yeah. It's it's for the fans. It really is. Oh yeah. And um, so one of the other days, we the 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 Cubs. Uh, my kids are. Uh, I was raised a Cubs fan, and my kids are Cubs fans by default. And they, so we went on a day off. The Cubs were not playing at home, but they were practicing. But no one was there, so we go wandering over there. And uh, one of the one of the practice fields, which is basically just for those of you who have not gone to spring training, it's like mm-hmm. a fenced off little league field. Yeah, it's like that's what it is. It's not. Field. There's no stands. It's just a fenced off little league field. That's what I'm talking about. Like you can yep. literally walk up to a fence. And on the other side was um, Rizzo and Bryant were doing batting practice while Andre Dawson and Ryan Sandberg were sitting there watching them. And I was like, that's two generations of like that was my childhood. And my kids yeah. were watching their childhood simultaneously. And I was like, now I understand. Like, that was another one of those moments where I was like, yeah, you know, this is mm-hmm. what. I was falling in love with baseball in a completely different way, as were my children, because of these that's, unique experiences. That's incredible, brother. Are they, are they, they're huge uh, Cub fans, huh? Yeah. So here's the weird thing about the whole thing, right? So these are all these great experiences we've already had, right? So then we go to the Brewer Stadium, which is being remodeled, and they're kind of changing it. So to give you a lay of the land at, uh, at that specific one is you pull into the parking lot, and there will be like six or seven like 
little league looking fields around, and then there's a stadium kind of in the middle of it. So we get mm-hmm. in there, and literally, of all the stadiums, the players are just walking in between the fields, free, like yeah. right in front of you. Nobody's blocking them off. It's a little bit weird. Like, even I felt a little bit weird. Like, you, you guys you really should be this close to, like, <laughs> psycho fans. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, but it turns out it was just all the minor leaguers, so no one's going to rough them up, right? So... <laughs> Uh, all the all the big all the big time players were in actually doing their warm ups in the stadium off limits where you couldn't see them right exactly and um, I remember walking past a couple of the catchers and the catcher was like I just feel weird like they were talking amongst themselves like I feel weird like leaving my gear out here with all these people walking by and I stop and I go I agree dude I was just saying the same thing and this guy's like stop talking to me this is what I'm talking <laughs> this about is what I'm talking right about, dude. here people like you are making me afraid. Yeah. <laughs> And my, and my wife is like, dude, leave him alone. Just leave him alone. You're, I'll watch your gear, buddy. You're I'm going to move yeah, in with yes. you. We're going to be pals. He's like, get like, away from me. You're justifying Don't everything. Feed the animal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're justifying everything he is fearful of right now is you. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but I'm not. She's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to help. In his world, you're the freak. So yeah, I'm no. thinking to myself, okay, this is it. We're going to go to the game tonight. This is going to be it. It's going to be great. Um, you know, this is just a great experience. Top it off, right? We're standing in line. I, I get bored because um, I didn't want to stand in line any longer waiting to get into it. So I go wandering with one of my kids. I come back. My wife is like, you get over here right now. She's like, they're looking for bat boys in the game. And you go over and you find that woman because she asked the kid silently in front of us if he wanted to do it. And he was oh, like, nice. chicken shit. And was like, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, and I'm well, like, who? What? I don't know. I'm like, of course, like the classic like wife telling the husband what to do. She's like, just, huh? yeah. It's a woman, and you'll just go. And then, like, some woman comes out. She goes, just, just ask her. Just go to her. And I'm like, hey, I got to. My like, wife I, bosses yes, me around and, and told me to come over here. <laughs> what should I do? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm like, and I turn to my wife. I'm like, what? She's like, no, no, that one over there. I'm like, man, bam, bam. Like, because I'm thinking, I'm in this moment where I'm thinking, it's going to be me. If you've ever seen anybody run after a foul ball, it's like 50,000 fucking people going to start elbowing each other for, like, this moment. And now I didn't realize in the moment nobody knew, right? So I go flying over there and I'm like, "Hey, um, I heard you're looking for bat boys." My wife, she, my son, she maces like, you immediately. <laughs> should have just like the catcher, and uh, and she's like, "Uh, yeah, sure, just come back in like an hour and the office here, and we'll find out what to do." And I'm like, "Did I just make this happen for my kids? Like, am I a good father?" Wow, oh, but your wife bossed right. you into it. So we get in there. And um, the she, woman's like, there was a couple other kids waiting. And the woman's like, all right. So um, there was two kids there. They're playing the Texas Rangers. She's like, clearly, we'll have you guys be the bad boys for the Texas Rangers. And uh, she's like, well, I, I, the guy came out. He goes, is this all we have is three? And she's like, yeah, well, I guess this kid pointing to my oldest son, Tanner. She's like, he'll be uh, the Brewers bad boy. And then my wife is like, my son, my other son, is uh, he's right here. We have another. And they're like, all right, fine. Do you want to be a bad boy? And he's like, uh, sure. And I remember my kids are at the time, they are 12. And nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most bat boys, if you do the research, oh, I'm sure you'll be able to 15, tell me. 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. A lot wow. older. Wow. Right? Yep. And now I believe you have to be 18. Like the world has changed, legal, yeah. crap, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, the guy's like, all right, fine, cool, whatever. And it's right there. And I literally almost started crying because I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I had no experiences as a kid. No foul balls. Mm-hmm. No players really talked to me. Like that's just not what I grew up in. Like it was kind of like they were in the distance and you just watched them and you went home. Like that was it unless they owned a car dealership. Please edit really afterwards. sad music under yeah. this. No, no, I'm just saying you, so like I'm I'm stoked, right? But that was you a little pissed that it wasn't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, well if you don't need two kids, I could just be the one. I could do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're With over forty. Stuff. 
Yeah, and I could do. I could lift two bats at once. You're like, that's yeah. not impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy comes in and he goes, "All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna take the kids back. We're gonna put them in the ba- the, ba- the Bat Boy um, shirts and helmets. And when the game is over, we'll give you a souvenir hat and a baseball." And I was like, "Great, fine." And so my wife and I go and we stand. And he go and he says, "He goes, look, um, just tell the usher the kids will be in the dugout with the players. Just tell the usher." that your kids are, are the bad boys. They'll let you come down and take some pictures of them in the dugout, stuff like that, whatever. And uh-huh. we're like, okay, cool. And um, they, we, so we have to walk away. We basically let our kids go, and we stand there. And then out of nowhere, you just see the baseball players. And it was, this, it was for pretty much the starting lineup that was going to be the starting lineup for the most part in mm-hmm. regular season. So it was, yeah. the, it was the Brewers, the Stars, Eric yeah. Thames, Ryan Braun. You know, yeah. Well, it, again, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so all the, all the starters come out and they're running along with them. And I, that was what, that's what got wow. me. A little bit of tear got in my eye. Cause uh. I was like, there's my kids on a professional baseball field. I know that even they are like, holy shit. They've gotta be. I was right. nine years old. Someone's like, in hey, another dimension, carry, pretty much. Yeah, go carry the bats for the Cubs. I would have shit my pants. And so the only <laughs> thing I was worried about, I was like, was my youngest. Cause he's nine fucking years old. And I was yeah. like. I'm like, it, all of a sudden, I was like, is this going to get overwhelming for him? Is he going to be like, I want my mom and dad! Like, just like, be the kid that just has a fucking conniption uh-huh. on the field. And we have to go get him, because that would have probably been me at nine, right? Yeah. But yeah. no, they're not. And they go through the whole thing. We're watching them. You know, we're just like proud parents, like sitting, sitting in the stands. That's and, my boy. Those are my boys. Well, we were doing yeah. that. And yeah. I'm sure we were annoying to everybody around us. But You, you know, definitely were. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something, because I'm from Wisconsin. I will tell you something about people from Wisconsin. They're some of the fucking nicest Yep. People you're ever going to meet, people from the Midwest are always very supportive, yeah. and very nice, and very kind. So in this bizarre red state, blue state, Trump world, non-Trump world, I just want mm-hmm. you to know, I, you know, most of where I come from right now would be quote-unquote Trump country, and I just want people to know mm-hmm. that not everybody's a fucking asshole, and especially Wisconsinites. They're actually very kind, genuinely nice people for the most part, and it's just yeah. that they were very supportive of like that thing, like oh my god, those yeah, are the yeah. kids out there. Like everybody was like, they all got into it, and I thought it was like really cool until like how within two not? innings we snuck yeah, down how, to that. I agree. How could you not? So just yeah. so anyway, we watched them. We watched them be bat boys. You know, they go out and do all the stuff, and just the whole pomp and circumstance. And at the end of the game, the guy came over, and my son right away, Eric Thames. Uh, broke a bat and my son was like hey can I have that bat and he's like no absolutely not you cannot have a broken bat and he's like but you can have here you can have the coach's lineup card and he ripped it off the wall nice. gave it to my son and my son's like fuck yeah this is this is top notch oh, good for and him so, for not giving a kid a jagged piece of wood yeah so we so the bottom line is it when MLB Network uh, broadcast the game so recorded it and there's a few moments where no my shit. kids are on TV just uh, hanging out in the dugout, talking, doing their job, watching them run back and forth. It was just a really unique experience. I will, I will, I will put a button on this because I want to talk about your experience, Wes. But um, one of the cool things was, as, as, as if I can brag about my kid for one second, was that when we left, um, the kids got, they got the scorecard and then they got uh, baseballs from the dugout. And my kid noticed that there was a kid in front of us that was walking in a walker and stuff like that. And I, and, oh, and, and when they got to the car, I, my son asked if he could give his game ball to the kid and walked over and was like, hey, I, I, I got this game ball. My kids are very fortunate. They get game balls all the time. Uh, and, and he was like, do you want it? It's from, it's from the game. We were, we, you know, he, kinda, he wasn't bragging. He was just like, we kind of had like a really cool experience, like whatever. And the kid was like, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. And the guy 
was super nice. And it turns out that that kid was brought in from Texas from an organization that allows kids with handicaps to participate in baseball that would not normally get that opportunity. So, like, the whole thing was like, you know, I learned more about like a whole other organization that does that kind of stuff. And yeah, so, sounds like you're a really good parent, man. Jeez, uh, I like that. No, it's, it's mostly my kids and my wife. Yeah. But, <laughs> Because I went back and took the ball back. I was gonna say, I was like, you, you know, jumped in. Kid, and go, you know what? My kid was just a bat boy. I don't know what your deal is, Junior, yeah. but my kid worked for this fucking ball. Yeah, and I've never really gotten one, so I kind of want that back. If you yeah. wouldn't mind, just give me that back. <laughs> I'll let you sign it. What? Why? So, great experience. I realized in the moment how unique it is, and could only imagine from a from a uh, from a youth standpoint. When we're all growing up, you know, one of the things you outside of police officers, firemen, astronauts, president of the United mm-hmm. States, whatever, baseball player, football player, professional athlete is one of the big things. And when I was growing up, incredible Hulk, um, a superhero, all those things that you want to be when you're growing up, but to, to have an experience as youth with the grown-ups that you aspire to in itself is a unique experience. And I think that's why it was so emotional for me to see my kids go through that experience because even though they're Cubs fans, they are we're, we're a split household because when I was growing up, we moved to Wisconsin. I was also a Milwaukee Brewers fan because they were in the American League, yeah. and I felt there was nothing wrong with liking both because they were never sure. going to play each other anyway. Both teams were never good exactly. enough. Exactly. Except for one year, the Brewers you know, almost you know, they almost won the World Series, but the Cubs, <laughs> the Cubs never were, were just struggling to get there. Anyway, long story short, which I'm assuming you may know about the Cubs' journey of not getting to the World Series because I don't know if mm-hmm. you were around when you knocked them the out. The year after. The okay. year after. So... Hello, and there it is. Not only was Wes Sample a comedy store guy, uh, he was also a bat boy for the San Diego Padres. And so that's where I will start this story with you. If you want to first, it'd be interesting to, to find out how that all came about and when you were a bat boy. Yeah, bro. Like you said, I mean, it's incredible experience. And when you think of number wise and how many kids get that opportunity, it's crazy. So what your boys did was just was killer. And I know they'll, they'll treasure it forever, but, uh, yeah, but, well, it starts with me, you know, just loving baseball. And then at my, my grade school, I was, uh, the janitor there, Vic Peralta, his dad was the equipment manager, went all the way back to the Pacific coast league with the Padres. And, uh, his deal was like, Hey, if you help me after school, I'll, uh, give you a Dave Winfield autograph. So I would help this janitor, you know, from like third grade until about seventh grade, <clears throat> And, uh, he'd give me autographs and, uh, way. So, uh, he told me like the last year of grade school, you know, I'll get a hold of you in a few years if you want to be a bat boy. <laughs> just, so, just like that. Know, yeah. I'll, yeah. Here's my card. So, call me in the future. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And janitor. so, uh, you know, years go by and, uh, I'm a huge baseball card collector. I know everything about, you know, all the players from the fifties and sixties, seventies, you know, I have probably a half a million baseball cards at this time. Where is this? In, this is in San Diego County. In, Where in San Diego, up? East County, okay. uh, East County, San Diego. Okay. So yeah, I'd go to the swap meets with my dad picking up baseball cards. So I was a baseball nut and get this call, uh, you know, that my freshman year, uh, hey Wes, it's Vic. Uh, hey Vic, what's up? You still want that job? And I said, hell yeah. So uh, he said, get down here. And uh, you know, I was I had my permit at the time. My mom drove me. <laughs> so I, I get down there. It's uh, they had fired a bat boy because he was selling his tickets out in front of the stadium. Oh. Like you get you get free tickets. So he blew it. And Dip so his, shit. yeah, he blew it. So that was my my ticket. So. Um, I get in there and he's like, all right, man, get, get this uniform on. And it, it's baggy as all hell. And, uh, I'm like, what do I do? Uh, you, you just run down the field and do whatever the players ask you. <laughs> what so, year is this, man, by the way? 
85. 85. So, okay. it's so Dick it's Williams, the whole 84 team is still I was going to say, intact. this is the year after they went to the World Series. Yeah, yeah, the year after. So they're all flying high, partied all winter long, whatever, stoked, got money. And uh, so they throw me down there. I run down the corridor just, you know, in another world. Can't even believe it. So you imagine the dark corridor, light coming out into the... So I get in there and I see, you know, all my heroes just just blown away. It's just not even... You can't even take it in. Well, can I, I want to stop you there for two things. One, just to be clear, no interview. This was come on down to the stadium nope. and get a yep. uniform on. Right. Exactly. So you didn't yeah. even have to like put on a fake clip on tie and pretend like, you know, just try nope. to get a job. It was literally like you're in, just, you're starting today. Don't lose the job. Basically, the, the, what it was. the work he'd done for the janitor was all the interview he needed. <laughs> I still think that part of it is amazing because if anybody ever said a janitor was giving kids on the side, dude, now these days that that he would have probably lost yeah, red his job. Dude, my brother, yeah, my brother worked with the janitor after school in his grade school and like. All that guy ever gave him was a thing of chaps cologne. <laughs> and that way he was in like fourth grade. It was like the weirdest thing ever. But like, if you saw that today, you'd be like, get away from that man. What are you doing? <laughs> Were you bribing children to help you clean up? He That's was your no, job. My brother was just, he was like, liked hanging out with the dude. So he was like, hung up. Then the guy didn't know what to do. So he re-gifted some cologne. Well, the se- and then, and so then the second part of this story is, or a quick question is, you didn't find it odd that the guy just randomly called you at your house and said, or do, was he a family friend? I, 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 I yeah, yeah, he was, um, he knew, like, my mom was a teacher's aide, so she knew all the okay, teachers. Okay, all right. so they he's not just looking friends. you up in the phone book uh, see, and being which, like... Which was legit back then. Back you could have yeah, just looked like, him up in the phone book. You pretty much could back then, right? Yeah, yeah. totally legit. So then my last question is, um, uh, the because the, I don't really understand the dynamics of Bat Boys and all the other people, the support that works... Uh, with the team, when you mm-hmm. got there, were you part of the locker room or were you part of a different uh, part of the underground or part of the, no, uh, you know, the you, stadium? They, they gave us a pass. We had a Padres pass, just like all the players and uh, whoever else worked for them. And uh, I would always try to sneak in, even though I had the pass. I was just like that. But uh, I would get in and uh, yeah, my locker was for three years was just on the other side of Tony Gwynn. So I could literally oh lean my over to my God. left and go, what up, Tony? So it was like... <laughs> oh, so you shit. actually got ready for the game the same place they did, in the locker Yeah, I'd get out, I'd get out of school. You know, I was a fairly decent student, so I got out around 2.30 for a 7 o'clock game, get down there, and I'd have to get all the equipment down onto the field, roll it down, have to go help the umpires uh, mud up the balls. They, they, you know, the Mississippi mud they put on the balls. Okay, so this isn't just you just sitting there waiting for game time. You actually oh, had no. prep work to do. Oh no, you're working, man. You're, okay, uh, twenty five bucks a game back in the eighties. That's what we'd make, and uh, yeah. So you go out there, and then you'd have to shag. Uh, let's just say Steve. You know, our infield was Nettles, uh, Templeton, uh, Wiggins. I think was there, and Flannery. And if Garvey wasn't there, they'd put me on first. <laughs> while guys were hitting, while guys are hitting, you know, giant men Holy hitting, cow. I'd be in front of this net, you know, this little net that could, you know, and they would throw, you know, just normal to me, like they'd fungo bat, you know, to the guys and they, I would catch, catch it and go out in the field, catch fly balls. Ew. So we'd have to round all that up and then we could kick it after that pretty much before the game. And then it just, you know, but that's not even, that's not even work. I mean, you're out on first base, like. Padres oh, dude, Stadium, just, like everyone's running around, like that's just oh, that's yeah. Insane. You got the people there early, or like check me out, you know. It's just yeah. there's chickies <laughs> back in the eighties, you know. It was it was crazy. I could bore you for hours. Dude, uh, this it. is not this is I already not it. boring me. So I'm just saying. So one of the things that um, 
I'm always enamored by, but 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 I can only imagine it's got to be different for you. Was were there moments where, uh, and we're going to jump all over the place, and because I obviously would love to hear some stories, some very specific stories. But were there moments? Because to me, I'm always in awe of the size and the stature of stadiums and the fact that it draws thousands upon thousands of strangers together to Some, focus on between one 40 thing. and 65,000 people. And so are, have, did you ever like find yourself like just kind of standing there and just absorb what is around you and and the, oh. the enormity of it? And like, and, and oh. does that, does that send, send a chill down your spine? Like what? Oh, dude. Like I was saying, when I, when they first sent me down, I sit on the bench. Nobody really pays any attention to me. I'm just sitting there with my gloves. This is day Can one. Day one, okay. and uh, I'm sitting there just kind of looking around, half smile on my face, and you know, Steve Garvey comes cruising. He's like, "Hey, kid, could you warm me up?" And I was just like, "Holy shit!" You know, <laughs> and get up, and I'm knobby kneed, shaking, and then walk out of the dugout to see, you know, thirty thousand people. It was just gives me the chills to this day. You know, if you're a baseball fan, it's just yeah, and I'm, the, I'm and thinking. that's like a year out. Like the 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 stadium was packed. Like people were still like, do the pop. Oh yeah, they were still there. Be a dynasty. Like mm-hmm. people were like, I mean, Tony Gwynn is arguably oh one of the, yeah one of the, one of the better baseball players of all time, but easily the best Padre of all time. Big time. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, he's loved down there. Yeah, it was a good time, and the '80s in San Diego was fun. Yeah, it was like like Brian was saying, I got to surf. You know, I would surf before the games. Uh, I went surfing with Tim Flannery a couple of times. Jesus. I mean, dude, they took me on the road. We could go on and on. Oh, whoa, okay. they took you on the <laughs> road? Okay, he's going to get to that. That's what when I remember. What, so, so, okay, so that we're going to definitely that's get that's how I started doing cocaine when, as a 13-year-old. Right, hold on, hold on. He's got stories. So um, t- just take a step back. I, I want to I finish just day one, right? So, okay, so day one so far is come on down. You got a job. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have no idea what the, what the hell you're doing. So you're sitting in the dugout. Uh, you did, you did your early work, whatever, just did probably assuming mm-hmm. you did what you're told. You're probably the whole time, probably borderline shit in your pants. Steve Garvey yeah. says, come play catch them. I'm assuming it's because I'm assuming he's playing outfield. So you were warming them up. That's what a lot of the guys do. They warm up on the outfield or what were you warming them up with? No, we were just right in front of the dugout. It just was minutes throwing. before the game, just minutes before the game. You wanted to loosen up. Now, my whole thing is when I watch professional athletes throw baseballs, they don't, they don't even know how to throw slow. Right. So they got, they, it, 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 was he, was he trying to be kind to you or was he, he threw out you know, he, he would, you know, most of the people, they start out with that, you know, really easy toss and then end it, you know, end it hard. That sounds kind of, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe that was coming out get of my it mouth in, right then. But get I, it started soft and get it in and yeah, get yeah. it hard. But yeah, you'll get a lot of times Bochi would uh, do long toss and your arm would be terrible. He, we would start, he'd be in center, I'd be in right and then he'd be in left by the time, you know, so on my noodle arm is trying to throw this, you know, cause he's warming his arm up for the long, Wait, long toss. Br- Bruce Bochi? Yeah, Bochy was a backup catcher back in the day for the Padres. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah, a backup catcher. Yeah. That's so funny. That's how they all become successful <laughs> yeah, managers, he's, dude. He's got he's got the vantage point of sitting down and watching the game. Yep, that's how they become successful. One of my favorite stories. I was like road. They they let us go on a road trip. So me and the other two bat boys, we picked the longest one. It was like eighteen days on the road. Oh. And, and that's started. not typical, by the way. Correct. Or back uh, no, then it was. That was like an ultra longer one. Yeah, back in the 80s. But, to, but so just, just to get some, some um, uh, perspective on this, you, normally the Bat Boys stay home, right? And then they get, they get the Bat Boys at whatever stadium you're at. So was it different back then? The Bat Boys actually would travel with the team for a full season? Or like what was, mm-hmm. the, what was the protocol? Usually the just the, summer, the summertime. Just you know, the like summertime. They, so you could travel yeah. with the team in the summertime. Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so continue was, your story. So you, you. So yeah, it's uh, 1986 is the first one I go. It's you know I'm dressed uh, 16 to the years old, my, Yep, Don okay. Johnson outfit. You know the yes. loafers and yes. uh, my grandfather, my grandparent, my grandparents come down. My mom and dad and uh, they give me like five hundred dollars cash. You know, oh, and, uh, dude. So uh, and then immediately my grandfather, he thought he was famous to begin. Yeah, he thought everybody knew him. He's like Ed Rydinsky, uh, Mister John Cruck. It was when John Cruck played there. And <laughs> he went up there, and I'm like, God damn it, Grandpa, get away from here. And anyway, it was all good. Uh, so we get on the plane. <laughs> We get on the plane and uh, it's a chartered plane to Montreal. And uh, oh, I sit expos. down and Goose Gossage is sitting in the first row. Oh, and he says, he said, sit down, motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, so I sit down and then Ed Whitson, remember Eddie Lee Whitson, uh, played for the Yankees and the Padres, but yeah, uh, yeah. crazy, crazy Arkansas guy. He would have been a hillbilly if he wasn't a pre- uh, uh, pitcher. Yeah, he but, was uh, a hillbilly anyway. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So we, we take off and uh, Goose asked me, uh, hey, kid, do you, do you like to drink beer? And I was, you know, I'm 16 and I'm seven, no, 17 at this time. And I'm like, yeah, every once in a while. You know, <laughs> okay, cool. So they drop a case of beer on my lap and my boss comes by and just about loses his shit. And, and he was just joking around. He's like, hey, you be careful. You be, you know, be careful. And he's all, here's a little something from the players. So I open it up and there's $800 cash. Whoa. So, yeah, so I'm loaded, and then I'm starting to get loaded too. So all the way to Montreal, and I go, we get, we land, and I tell Goose, I'm like, dude, I am too fucked up to touch. I can't move. He's like, don't worry, we got people to do that. And so they took our, uh, you know, our luggage, and we 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 stayed in all the best hotels. Um, the first night, I got uh, Tim Flannery got me and the other Bat Boys into a bar, what? and all he, oh yeah, he says, what do you? He saw us milling around the lobby. He's like, what are you guys doing? We don't know. We've never been here. <laughs> we don't like, know what we're on. doing. We're 16. So he takes we're us to a bar. <laughs> he takes us to a local bar down the street and gets us in. At the time, it was 18, to, I think, uh, sure. in Canada. Yeah. But uh, so we slither in, and he has a beer with us. He's like, all right, you guys be careful, and leaves. <laughs> and I proceed to just get rookie wasted, <laughs> pass out on the, the, the speaker in the club. They had to drag me back. I miss the, uh, the the tour of Montreal the next day they had set up for us because I'm so hammered. Oh, my God. And so I just about missed the, the game. <laughs> so I finally get up from puke, and, and I get to the park. I run in, get into my gear, and Goose is there. He's like, oh, look, it's Sauce Man. <laughs> so that, from there on out, my name was Sauce. So. Oh, <laughs> And uh, it's kind of funny because my mom was uh, was video t- she videotaped everyone, and they show my roadmap eyes, uh, red, uh, singing "Oh Canada," just look pathetic. So, and that's look at him; he's so emotional that he's in Canada. He's crying. He's crying. He's crying. <laughs> so the road trips were the they were the shit. Man. Oh my god, that just, is fucking awesome. So unreal. Let, let's keep jumping around because so so let's go back to day one. Back to day one again. So you warm up Steve Garvey, right? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, you know, the next thing you know, there's a whole game. There's just guys all over the place. And are, now, yeah. are you the whole time? Do you remember much about that game, or were you so just nervous of like, I just don't want to fuck up. I don't want to fuck up. I don't want to fuck up. Or like, how, take take us through that first game and like what what you was going through your mind from during it to like when it was all over and you have to decompress mm-hmm. yeah like after the plane catch I, I met up with uh you know one of the senior bat boys there and uh <laughs> he kind of took me under his wing and uh i sat in the dugout with him because you have four bat boys you have two on the lines and then 
well, nowadays they have girls out there, but to today they have the two, they rotate you. You go uh, clockwise. So you, you're in the dugout twice. You hit right field. You go left, but back in during the a game, you know, yeah. during, is it during no, the game, you know, move around each, or? each game, each no, game. each game, oh. you know, yeah, I'll be in the, you just rotate around. Okay. So one night you're in the visitor's bullpen. The next night you're in the dugout. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you just go through the, the whole, they teach you the whole deal, you know, like watching the umpire, that's your main thing is he'll throw fingers up, you know, I need three balls and you got to run, you got to have the balls ready at all times, run out, you're getting foul balls, you know, you're picking up bats that are broken. You're checking the bats. What about beach you balls know, and shit? You ever have to get beach balls? Yeah, you got to go get the beach balls if you're out in the back <laughs> and then you got people calling you every name under the sun as oh, you're running yeah. by, you I know, bet. just that crazy. Yeah. This is what great. I got myself a job. Hey, fuck <laughs> face. <laughs> Whoa, was, okay. Oh, yeah, big time. Okay. What was the weirdest thing you ever got called? Anything stick out in your mind? Um, pretty much, well, the next game, they put me in right field. I just remembered this story. <laughs> and uh, I'm out in right field in a day game, and there's a man on second, and Garvey's up. And he hits one out and it's looping. It's like, it looks, it's curving. Like, you know how they'll curve yeah. and it looks like it's going to hit it. Look, I'm all, this is foul. This is foul. I'm going to get this. Oh, <laughs> and no. I start running towards it. And then the light goes off, dude, turn around. <laughs> and I turn around. It careens off my left thigh oh. out into the right field and throws the fielder off. They gave uh, Garvey a stand-up double, which he would have had anyway. So, <laughs> oh, but, uh, my God. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm getting called every name, you know, under you the sun. piece of shit. Thinking that was my last job. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and uh, so, luckily, I got the bad eye coming in. But luckily, um, it didn't affect the game. We won. So, it was good. So, uh, you got was the, your oh, thigh. Okay. So, you, so, you did get a little bit of the, what, the, what you get, hey, hey, buddy. Yeah. Get your shit together. Did it hurt? How was your thigh? It did. It hurt. <laughs> So you had to times. pretend like it didn't hurt because everyone else is just staring oh, yeah. at you like, hey, moron. <laughs> nah, my dad always said, don't ever rub it. Don't rub it. You know, so I didn't touch it. I just kept, I had a huge bruise. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. hurt a few times and had to lump it, you know. Oh, but, but that's the only time you ever hit with an in-play ball. In play. Yeah. That was yeah. the only time. Because after you on, did that man. once, you were like, never again. Never move again never. until the end, right? Never again. And Jack Clark would get up and he was a Jack Clark had a mean bat and he was notorious for hitting it down the left field line, knocking people's. I saw a guy's teeth get knocked out. I swear. Ooh, in the stands? In the the stands, he was looking through the two two bars. One, a ball bounced and then short hopped right into his face and he spit teeth out of his mouth. (laughs) Shit. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Gotta pay attention. Now, did you have to field the teeth? (laughs) Did you have to round those up? <laughs> chase skunks off the field. That was a big. There was always skunks under the field. Oh. I would take uh, drunk ball players up to their cars after the game. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, after well, the drink. game? What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, they'd have they had a clubhouse. So after the game, oh. there was this guy Whitey Wheedleman who's been around in baseball for like sixty some years, and uh, he would cook. <laughs> and they had pool tables, and the guys would just be in their underwear and uh, play in pool until midnight, one in the morning. Especially Goose um, Garvey wouldn't. Uh, a lot of the other guy, Tony wouldn't, but uh, yeah, then they get schnitzled and I take them up in a little golf cart and let them go. I think Goose actually got a DUI back in the day. Oh my God. Uh, but Joan Croc uh, banned, that was the year she banned liquor in the. <laughs> the After the DUI, the that was enough yep. for Joan? Oh, wow. 
Yeah. It's really funny, man. Jesus. But yeah, the, the, like New York, I uh, went to New York uh, in 86 when the Mets were, you know, going to the World Series. Oof, uh, when the Mets were buried in cocaine going to the World Series? Big time. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. They smoked in the dugout. Keith Hernandez smoked cigs in the dugout. I remember seeing it on WOR. Yeah, so that's a, that's a thing. So a, a couple things. And again, not, not that you want to get anybody in trouble. I guess it doesn't really matter. So Daryl Strawberries, no. it's pretty a known no, 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 fact. No. He's yeah. a cokehead. But, but I'm, a, no, no, I'm assuming, were there things that you also like saw like that... Mm-hmm. Because because of where we were, I mean, I know the big thing was obviously there were people did smoke cigarettes. Were they? Were, but it was frowned upon. But they did it, correct? Where they try to hide smoking. Yeah, Dick Williams, uh, Dick Williams smoked. He would, you know, just but he, would he hide it or would he just do it? No, he would. No, he'd go around the corner, just like Ed Whitson. Every time he pitched, he'd want a pack of cigarettes, a tall coffee, and some popcorn. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, Whoa. that's what I would always have he to wanted, get ready. He, he called it the shit maker. This is oh going to make God, me take serious. a dump. I need a pack of cigs, a coffee, give yeah. me one line of coke, and then some popcorn. <laughs> so that was my next question. Without naming names, were yeah, there were steroids there, were there and guys, cocaine? Were there guys doing coke and 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 drinking during the game sometimes? Uh, no, not during. I never saw any of that during the game. You okay. know, a lot of partying afterwards. It was guys who were in L.A. They'd come back from the Playboy Mansion. There was some guys <laughs> that would go there. Did you go um, with them ever? In- they never took you no. to the Playboy Mansion, huh? No, Dude. I saw some infidelity with some of the players, yeah. but I would never in a million years give it up because they were oh. all so good to me. And it was like, man. And also, that's whatever. not your place, dude. Yeah, I mean, nah. that's not, you're a bat boy and you're there to like yeah. do your thing. That's okay. Like, so that is my next question to you. Where, because you were the bat boy, was it your job sometimes to be the intermediary to make arrangements? I need my bat, and I also need mm. you to tell my wife that I, I'm going to be I, going to a hotel. I, I, and, and, and maybe I'm maybe that's a mythology, but I was always like sometimes guys mm. were sent out to kind of do the dirty work of like making the connection for later mm. on. Yeah, well, what happens? I never had that experience, but there was a guy uh, that I was a bat boy after me that I'm still good friends with that used to get um, stuff. Like players would come into town, they go, "Hey, go talk to Bob, bring this over to him." Yeah, and and there was guys injecting. He injected guys too. This was in the early '90s, though. This is after that, I'm gone. It, yeah, in the, in the peak when, of the steroids when, when it was just no. I wouldn't say peak. I would say the beginning of it, like exactly. the real beginning, because like '80s was like Tim Raines sliding head first because he didn't want to break vials of cocaine in his pocket. People smoking yeah. cigs in the dugout. Yeah, and it like, was pretty innocent. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it destroyed people's part. lives, careers, and marriages to a certain <laughs> extent. But yes, I understand it. the innocence. Home, whereas, home run hitters were home run hitters because they were either super tall or super fat. Like the, right, yeah. they had power, but they also had the skill and the hand-eye coordination. Right, you know, what, cocaine no, is not a performance-enhancing no, drug. No, like no. you can say whatever you want about it, but it's not. It was a celebration. Yeah. So, but then in the '90s, they did. People were like, "Oh, you can take this pill. Oh, you can take an injection. Oh, you can mm-hmm. get bigger." And I mean, the baseball body changed in the 90s like mark mcguire and jose canseco like nobody had muscles before you were either really skinny or fat like you said i mean that Mm -hmm. was it maybe you were short maybe you were tall but those were the only real things like baseball like anybody had a baseball body your dad had a baseball body back in the day like my dad had like anybody could be a baseball body just depending on what position you played now Mm -hmm. then in the 90s it was like why are these guys they like weightlifters that's fucking weird look at tony gwynn he was yeah well the way he was built I mean, look, he just, again, it goes back to skill, right? But the ability, built, but the way Tony he was Gwen built. Was built to hit. I mean, but, but mm-hmm. my point is, though, like, you always have this perception, like, you have to have the perfect body, like the six pack abs, like everything. <laughs> about, you know, no, I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah. most professional athletes, it's like you have to be on this regiment. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. for him, it was just about being good at what he did. And, and Wes, so what was your, who did you have related? Did you have a relationship at all with, I don't want to, I'm not saying like buddies, buddies hanging out all the time, mm-hmm. but like certain guys, 
Uh, did you have really good, strong bonding work relationships with some of these people? Like uh, Tony, oh, yeah. as an example, like mm-hmm. did you spend any time with these people? Did you? Uh, were there, what are what were some memorable moments of some of those people that you were talking about before that that you t- take with you for the rest of your life? Yeah, like uh, well, yeah, Dane Orge. I don't remember him. He was like a uh, utility guy for the Royals. He was all over the place, Dane Orge. But we were in uh, New York City, and he he took me to the Calvin Klein uh, distributor. I was a big fashion guy back in the day, and uh, <laughs> took me in there. He's like, get whatever you want, and uh, so I got like a pair of pants and a jacket. He's like, no man, go get some stuff. <laughs> I must have got five or six hundred dollars worth of stuff. Holy took shit. me out to yeah, took me out to Italian restaurant. Um, yeah, just things like that. Like I was in LA, went ate uh, dinner with Tony Gwynn a couple times. Jesus Christ! You know, just yeah, and just you know, they're like in '87. I remember uh, just Tony Gwynn because he's such a great guy. Uh, we what we had first game of the season. And it was me and him and the Bat Boys. The first, he was always the first guy to the place every day. Which and we so, came to, again says um, nothing. It's just an amazing. That's that's an amazing player to be the first dude there all yeah. the time and be that yep. good already and like be like, hey, I still got to work. Like, huh. yeah. And he, 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 I remember one day he's like, Hey boys, it's going to be a long season. And he, he started doing that Tony Gwynn laugh, you know, and, and sure <laughs> enough, man, it was, it was like second to last place, oh, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we didn't, the bad boys didn't hang. I, I, I mean, you know, when we were on the plane, we'd, we'd, they let us drink beers. We'd drink with them in the lobby sometimes. Like we could do whatever. It was insane, bro. You, you figure eight, 16, 17 year old kids walking through New York city. Yeah, just doing whatever we wanted to do. It was. Just, were you a little bit? So were you? So let's talk about that for a second. So you're in somewhere like New York City. Were you guys feral? Like, were you free yeah. to come and go? Like, you, there was no, there was no chaperone. Like, you, you, you were allowed no. to just come and go. <laughs> what did your, did your, your parents were like? Oh yeah, go have fun with professional yeah. athletes. Well, yeah. <laughs> See you when you get back. Yeah, the, you wouldn't be. I mean, you'd think they were totally good hands, right? I mean, yeah, for the most no, part, yeah. I mean, I guess knowing what we know now, you'd know that was a joke. But like, well, but you were obviously. Uh, it's. It sounds like you know, minus your ability to not be able to hold your liquor. It sounds like you were for the most part. Which who is at sixteen? No one. But yeah, it sounds like you were relatively. You were savvy enough. You weren't going to put yourself. You're not going to go to New York City, and we just disappear. Some... No, no, we would. Like we were just kids. So like one night we decided we were going to make shaving cream bombs. We were in the 32nd floor of the Hyatt. Oh my God. So we made these uh, toilet, toilet paper, like giant zits, you know, like you just made them like a wet and, you know, you just fill it with shaving cream. And meanwhile, we're emptying the, the liquor, uh, refrigerators <laughs> and the, yeah, we're in a suite, mind you. So we're getting hammered, dropping, uh, timing these bombs out from the 32nd floor on hitting taxis oh and just, God. yeah. And by the way, this is the, for, for those of you who are not familiar with the eighties, uh, no hotel rooms have fucking windows. You can open up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, anywhere. Did, they used Back to then, encourage they suicide. Yeah, exactly. Now they're like, Hey, we're not into it anymore. It's a lot to clean up. <laughs> Yeah, so we got into a little mischief. We drank, we drank quite a bit. It was right there. And then Doc Matai was the Italian uh, tra- traveling secretary for the Padres. He's a little short, stout dude with glasses and a big mustache. And uh, we get back from the three week uh, <clears throat> tour, and um, he's like, "God damn it, where are the fucking bat boys?" And so, <laughs> bat boys, get over here. And we're all like, "Oh shit, what's up, Doc? What's going on?" He's like, "You motherfuckers cleaned out every goddamn liquor refrigerator." <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're like, oh. And so my boss comes over. He's like, what the fuck did they do? And he just shakes his head and laughs and walks away. And so that was the kind of discipline. That was it. You know, it was just like, just 
don't be too stupid, you know, just have fun. Well, you learned a valuable lesson about professional sports and the amount of money that is in there. Because a lot uh, of business have been like, how much did that fucking cost us? Get us a bunch of kids in here that'll cost out of us your nothing. Paycheck. Yeah, 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 all yeah. that bullshit. And so like th- that's kind of one of those things that you're you're kind of that mythology is 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 not really mythology. It is the fact that you know they're making so much money that little things like that that you would think Nothing, other people yeah. would get into trouble. It was it was a, it wasn't even a dent in the finances of what it cost them to travel. No, at all. It wasn't even collateral damage. It was to them. It was so minimal. I mean, it was enough for them yeah. to fuck with you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But like yep. that was it. Exactly. No, we were making. They would you know players would go. Hey, go up to my car, grab this fifty dollar bill. You know, you just go up. Uh, they'd get player the game. They'd give us their, you know, their, their, their gift certificates to the restaurants, to sporting. They didn't need that stuff, you know? So yeah. we were rolling. They never we were rolling pretty hard. Crap. Yeah. That's funny. What was, the was, first was thing, good... what was the first thing mm-hmm. you got? I know obviously in the first year you were, was you said was 85, right? So mm-hmm. what was the first time that you realized the, uh, the perks? Like, was it when you're like, uh, cause I'm assuming the first time it happens, unless the guy already, unless your boss told you, look, you're going to get these things. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a little bit odd at first, and were you like, were you shy about taking stuff because you didn't want to get in trouble, or were you like, were you yeah. already informed that this was going to happen? And if so, what was? Do you remember what the first thing was that you were given? Of what, yeah, what I was, was. I was a huge collector, so my the, the janitor buddy of mine's like, dude, just don't take anything unless they they say you can have it. And I was like, okay, I don't want to screw this up. So uh, yeah, I mean, they would let us take stuff, um, you know, give us bats and. Uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? Dude? Well, just, oh, just, just. Do you remember the first time you were given something by a player? Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was a, or a gift. It was or... a Ed Whitson. Ed Whitson had gotten player of the game. He pitched a you know one hitter or something, two hitter, and got. Uh, it was like to TD Hayes. It was a restaurant in PD by the old comedy store, actually. And uh, <clears throat> you know, seventy five dollars to TD Hayes, and then to some Oscar Gamble's uh, fashion outlet or something. You know, they would give him. <laughs> so I would, I would just, I would take girls out. You know, just. I would take, I'd have them come to the game, I'd give girls tickets and, oh uh, yeah, take them. Yeah. So it was just insane, bro. It was just, uh, yeah. So that was the first thing I ever got from the players. And, um, what are some of the, um, what's some of the memorabilia that you, uh, ended up uh, now, especially looking back what years were you, um, the 85, 85 through 87, 85 through 87. So what was some of the memorabilia that you ended up walking away with that you, oh, look, that you still stare at to this day? The two pieces, and you know, you're gonna hate me for this, but after my divorce, I needed money. I lost my house. You know, I lost everything. <laughs> so, the two pieces that I uh, are uh, held dear were okay. The in '86 or '87, I don't remember which year. It was Marvel Win, Tony Gwynn, and John Crook. They were. Uh, it was one, two, three batters for the first game of the season, and they hit three consecutive home runs. And so. That had never happened in major league history. And I don't think it has until this today. And so I was the bat boy that day. And I don't know, about a month later, Tony threw some trash into the trash can by the locker. And I happened to see it had a hall of fame uh, letter header on it. And I, I just swiped it, you know, it was a trash, whatever. Right. And it was, uh, it said, dear Tony, it was from the hall of fame. Uh, congratulations on your feat of combining with Marvell Wynn you know, uh, John Crook, blah, 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 continued success in your career. And it was the president of the hall of fame and he threw it away. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? And so I'm like, man, this is going to be worth some money someday. So I, after I he put gets in into the safe. hall of fame, especially. Yeah. And back then, you know, he was only a few years in. So it was like, Hey, he could be a flash in the pan whatever. But so I kept it and, uh, yeah, I ended up getting like five grand for that. Oh, just, uh, a dealer great. back East, uh, bought it off of me. I, I got, I have copies of it and it's, it's just paper, you know, and you right, can't, yeah. 
drink you can't drink paper. Nope. <laughs> can't drink paper. That's what Goose Gossage used to tell you. Yeah. I was, and uh, what else? Oh, I got it. Oh, this is a killer story. We were playing the Dodgers in San Diego, and uh, Larry Boa was the manager at the time. I think it was 86. 86 I can't remember. Larry Boa uh, was the manager of? The Padres. Padres, that's right. Okay. Yep. And so fr- uh, He's fresh off the Cubs then. Yeah. Yeah, the fresh Phillies. <clears throat> Phillies, I think. Wasn't he? Well, no. He ended he, with the Cubs. He ended with the Cubs, oh, yeah. Okay. He was on the Phillies so, and he played shortstop that year that the year that they lost, lost to the Padres. At I think he was yeah. at short. Yeah. yeah, he was at short, yeah. So uh we're playing the Dodgers and all of a sudden this this uh Lasorda whistles over to me. I'm standing on the edge of the dugout and he's like, Hey kid, give this to Boa. So he rolls it over and I walk up to Larry and hand it to him. He's like, Give me a pen. And Boa was a dick. He was one of the biggest dicks in baseball. <laughs> so I give him a a, a, pay, a a pen and he he's like, Roll it back to him. So I roll it back over and he laughs and like and throws it in the ball bag. So the curiosity is killing me. You know, so after the game, I go over to the visiting clubhouse or the dugout and I go, Hey, can I have the, some of those balls in here? They, yeah, go ahead. So I pick it out and it was said, it was from Lasorda and it said, Hey, Larry, I could kick your ass in my day. And, uh, and Larry put on there, go fuck yourself, Tom. <laughs> dude, and you <laughs> kept that cool. ball? I sold it, dude. I sold it. I, I got like six hundred bucks for it. Oh my god, that is fucking yeah. awesome, though. Yeah, I love yeah, my that. Kids, just my, my son's not it. into baseball, so my son isn't into baseball. So I was like, I'm getting something for this shit. What uh, did you? But I'm assuming there were certain things. Did you like the like the 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 ball boy jersey? No, uh, the hats um, that you wore. Any no, I got, I, got, I have my jersey. I have my jersey. My cap. I have some. I have a couple of Tony Gwynn bats. I have John Cruck bats. I have yeah. Sweet. I probably have like 30, 30 bats. Okay. When you say bats, I'm assuming these are bats that have been damaged, and that's why they're done with them, or do they some, just retire them at some point? Some are, some aren't. Just okay. depending, you know. Sometimes I just go, "Hey, let me at the end of the year, can I have that bat?" Oh yeah, yeah. And I have a National have League umpire hat too. Oh, well, that's cool. And they oh, do they do the cool. bats all have the names on them, right? Yep. Yeah. Right, they, like literally, Louisville makes them that. If they're Louisville sluggers, they make them with their name on them. If it's for mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, they come in boxes every year. You know, just boxes of them. They and is that part was that part of your job, or was that the equipment manager to unbox them? And uh, uh, no, we helped the equipment. We'd help the equipment manager. Okay, you know, it was just there was so many different jobs to be done. So it, was, it sounds to me like you did not like Larry Boa because you said he was a no. dick. So I'm just curious, yeah. like, how did you? Because you're again, you're a kid, and John and I were joking about this uh, for something else about like. Sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes because they're going to wreck it for you. Mm-hmm. Were there certain people that you were like, you're like, yay, and then you're like, fuck uh, that motherfucker, mm-hmm. god damn it. Yeah, um, Johnny Bench. Johnny uh-huh. Bench is a big time a hole. Uh-huh. Now, what kind of when you say that, like, what what was their behavior? They just were, were they dismissive? Were they, were they actually say things arrogant. to you? Just arrogant, just so arrogant. That's He'd what say, I can, like, see, hey. I can see that with Boa too, just being an arrogant yeah. prick. Never, never acknowledged me once. I mean, even, even like Dick Williams, who was this old school man, you know, like baseball serious dude would always address me by my first name. You know, he wasn't a, but most of the guys, 99% of them were pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, so they wouldn't um, even, it's like some of these guys wouldn't even talk to you. They just would just, or would they, would they were too much into their game or whatever. A lot of them were just into their game. There was other guys that were just always, always messing around, you know, having fun. John Cruck would call me i'd walk into the clubhouse you know with my trunks my surf trunks on you little surfer homo or whatever and, <laughs> and he throw, and he grabbed me around throw me on the ground and noogie me and you know um kevin mitchell uh remember him kevin yeah, mitchell yeah he um one day messed with me like uh no i put some hot sauce in his popcorn 
Jesus. And he got pissed. And, uh, <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to get you. He chased me all through the dugout. And so the last day of the 87 season, he, he came into my dugout with a or into my, uh, locker with a big old jug of ice water and dumped it on me. Ah. So, so yeah. um, there, um, again, I, I just, I just want to jump around just based on what you're saying. So, um, why did you stop? I, I was 18 and it was just time to, you know, I, looking back, I, I should have stayed in, in, in the, in the club, in the, um, you know, in the organization, but I was just, you know, surfing and surfing and I was playing baseball too at Grossmont college, okay. uh, uh, junior college. And, uh, yeah, I just started surfing and then, uh, yeah. And, and pretty much just kind of straight. I always loved baseball, but I, I, w- I should have stayed in the, in the organization. I still get free tickets by the way, you guys. So if, if you ever want to go. So, oh yeah, I've so, always gotten them. And that just because I mean, you just call up, you still know people in the organization, or is that part of the perk? Is that part of the deal? Mm, I think it's just because I've stayed close with a lot of people. Okay, I've, some of them came to my shows, like a lot of the guys that work down there, equipment guys, and you know, so I still know a lot of people down there. So there are still people that you worked with back in the eighties that are still there oh, yeah. to this day. Yeah, my original boss was a bat boy in the seventies. I mean, if you stay in there and you're smart, see, I was just. You know, I wasn't thinking. You were I wasn't 18. thinking at all. You were 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was you, ready to party, chicks. Yeah, and, yeah, dude. You didn't, and I, the new, you know, the the the, it kind of wore off after a while. It was like, okay, you know, I see how it goes. It was kind of, but also, you know, and things probably changed quickly after you left. Meaning that culture, even in the '90s, wasn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's let 16 year old, 17 year old kids go get hammered, and not. Yeah, it get started changing real yeah, quick. Like yeah, you, you I felt still, lucky. You were still in it when. Even though it was the '80s, a lot of those guys were still from the '70s. Oh, you big know, time! You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the '70s, yep. dude, in Texas, I mean, you didn't have to be 21 for in a, like a lot of states in the '70s. You could be 18 yeah. years old. So drinking beer was like nothing. It didn't make nope. didn't mean anything. It was. It's like Mm-mm. it's like a kid smoking a joint today. You're like, well, whatever, yeah, whatever. Like it just doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, he'll be fine. But um, yeah, but yeah, I think that's really interesting because like I'm sure like the '90s. As as crazy as the league got, they must have probably cracked down on. Like, there's no way today there's a bat boy going, "Oh man, yeah, dude." Like John Lester put a case of beer in my lap when I was 15 years old. <laughs> no. only, in Bo- only in Boston. Only in Boston. Yeah, that, may- that, uh, maybe in the dugout in Boston, but like not on the road. Like that's just that's crazy. They're too on it. Everybody's on everything. You can't do anything anymore. Yeah, that, a that's, camera that's or anything. It's just uh, dude. That's scary. the other thing. Back when you were doing, there was true. no social media, and the mm-hmm. press the press went out of their way to cover things up instead of making people look like shit, they'd go out of their way to write a complimentary story on somebody yeah. instead yeah. of the other way, which is like, tear them down, tear them down now. And let's see where we yeah. can get with this and get ratings. And it was just a boys club back. And you got to figure yeah. these players, dude, they were, they're just high school guys that never, most of them never held a job. <laughs> they're, you know, they're just like, they're yeah. just kids. They've been All playing play, baseball their whole life. They, kids. they play a yeah. game their whole life. They're, they play a mm-hmm. game. That's true. You know, when you, that's an interesting perspective when you really think about it. A lot of these guys graduated from high school, went into the minor leagues. They didn't go to college, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of guys didn't play college baseball. They just went to the minors for a while and eventually, they, you're right, that's the only job they've ever known. Mm-hmm. And it's not a job to them. No, it's just playing it's ball. It's playing baseball and it's fun and and good for them, but you're. But the I can see, like Wes's, to Wes's point, the the maturity being stunted because there's no reason to mature. Like, well, now I can buy bigger toys because I have more money, but no one's telling me what to do. I don't have a bedtime. I'm fucking playing baseball every day, like banging chicks and hitting home runs, dude. Like it's all anybody ever wanted as a kid. The, um, just out of curiosity, um, uh, with, uh, with, with, in this, in this, uh, 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 sorry, I'm just, I'm having a stroke here, but when you said that you had to work in the other dugouts, 
Were there oh. other guys, other teams <laughs> yeah. that you were excited to work for? Worst and, team and best team. Yeah. What, what were well, some, no, what were some I mean, of your great experiences where you're like, oh, so-and-so is coming to town? Did guys vie for or Were you on a schedule so you couldn't – or could you trade out? Like if there was a team mm-hmm. that you wanted to work uh, with in that no. dugout, as an example, how, how did all that work and what was some they of the They had a visiting – they had uh, two visiting, so guys from San Diego, and they would just change uniforms every time. Uh, you know, if their bat boys didn't come, well, you know, in the summer or whatever, they would they would be the visiting bat boys. So okay. that was kind of a cool job because you're you're meeting all the stars. Yeah. and you got to do that or no? No, I did not. But I would go over like um, like this is a cool story. Is like a lot of the players would want autographs from whoever was in town, and Rose was Pete Rose was a player manager, oh, and yeah. so. They sent me over there with a big old bunch of balls and um, stuff to get signed. And they're like, you got to go over and, and have Rose sign all these. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, okay. So <laughs> I roll down there and uh, I go, hey, I need to talk to Rose. Where is he? And, and right in there in his manager office, you know. And so I knock on the door. He's like, come on in, kid. And so I, I roll it in. He's like, close the door. And he's like sitting there, you know, writing on a pad or something. And what do you need? Oh, you got to sign this. And just starts BSing with me. And this went on for like 45 minutes. I'm just locked in the in a room with the best hitter, you know, in my opinion. In the, one in, of the best all time. Well, and, and at that time, probably 4,000 hits, man. Yeah. 4,000 yeah. hits. At that time. Over 4,000. Yeah. Like You're that's talking insanity. about Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Pete Rose. These mm-hmm. are people that everybody, even if you don't watch baseball, you know, you know who this who person is. is. Yeah. yeah. Little did he know yeah. his life would be, uh, you know, kind of whittled down to only signing autographs. I got my, my book over mm-hmm. there. Pete Rose is winning baseballs right over there. Dude. <laughs> it's uh, in, in the room that we're in right now. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I, I didn't grow up anywhere near Pete Rose, but that's, you know, he was the guy. And he know? was also yeah, the Pete. last player manager. That's true. Oh, he was, wow. He was the yeah, last right. person to, like, play and Did manage. Did Boa was also a player manager for a sec, too? For a sec. No, I, I want to say for not a for you, but I think the Phillies. Yeah, for some He probably could have, yeah. They had weird, they did a lot of weird stuff back then. It yeah. Was, it was hilarious. I mean, the White Sox wore shorts for a couple so of games. So Pete Rose is cool. Was there anybody else? I was yeah. just trying to think who else came through town that you've been like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, my question is, is... Oh, Nolan Ryan, you know, oh. it was cool to see him. Dale was Murphy he cool? was kind of cool. Was it no, all right? He was just a chill, uh, you know, okay. Texas guy. He wouldn't, didn't get excited or nothing, okay. you know, just kind of, hey, you know, it's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just cruise up. I got autographs of a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the dot, you know, everybody pretty much. I have autographs of everybody from 85 to 87. So, so could, let's, go, have, let's talk about the autograph thing for a second. So was there, an, was, was there rules or and or unwritten rules that you had to figure out and how to navigate? Or was it, was it because you were on the other side of the fence um, everybody was cool with get with with doing autographs, or was there each was it a, a player by player thing? Was it a team by team? Thing yeah, or? it was like player by player. You like Steve Garvey would get to the park, and the first thing he would do is walk down, and as soon as the, he got to where those people were sitting, he would just automatically start grabbing the kids, uh, you know, pens and baseballs, and just start walking down the line. It was his ritual every day. So and some guy, some guys get it. They're like, "Look, I get this. Yeah. Like this is this is my duty. This is what I need to do." You know, and uh, so. and some are just some are just you couldn't. Oh man, it was horrible. They would just say no. I remember. You remember Rick Jean? Remember the comedian Rick Jean? He told yeah. me a story. Uh, he Rod Carew was his guy, and so one day he waited after the game, and he, Mister Carew, could I have your autograph? And he said, "Beat it, kid." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and he said he just it just his heart dropped and yeah like we said uh, never meet your heroes yeah but you know you I, there's part of me that like i mean the beaded kid is a little rude but like when i see someone who's like i just don't sign autographs i'm like i get it like i get it 
I get it. You don't want to sit there yeah. signing your name on garbage for like an hour and a half. Like, I'm not saying you can't stop and say hi to the fans or be like, I'm sorry, but like, I understand not wanting to have to fucking sign baseballs yeah. or sign programs or hats, whatever nonsense, over and over again. Because in my head, I'm like, it's just my signature. It's it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a signature. You anyone could write on this ball. I don't give a shit. But like. People freak out, and there's, you know, obviously eBay, and you can make money. Yeah. I think that's what kind of changed, right? I don't remember. What was it like that back then? Were there a lot of, was there, a, there wasn't a big autograph business back then, the way it boomed. Oh, no, the 90s, you'd be surprised. Right? In no, the 80s, was, it was more underground. In the 80s, but. it was coming, no, the 80s was coming up. Baseball cards were beginning to be worth a lot of money in the okay. 80s. That's when it first started. Yeah, and there was a lot of autograph hounds that would come down and, hey, could you sign this 17 times, you know? And they'd just be like, get out of my face. Okay, yeah. so they, are, they were already, like, onto that shit. Yeah. And I'm sure. assuming after a while, you guys all know who they are, right? And you're just so they, yeah. you, you know how they to get around avoid them. them. Yeah, it was weird groupies. You know, there's always weird groupies. You'd come fly into town. There'd be chicks and, you know, there's weird people hanging around. So, yeah, it's, it's like you're, It's like being in a rock and roll band. I mean, pretty much. You're traveling a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. especially with baseball, more so than pretty much any other sport, I would imagine. And, yeah. And and just yeah, people in every city are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go back oh, yeah. some players. Yeah, I'm gonna get me some fucking professional baseball dick. Uh huh. <laughs> like, serious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, dick. Yeah. But I'm also assuming apparently Alexa wants to talk to you, John. As soon as you said I whatever say, you I just said, that got perked right? up Alexa pulling right some, behind me. I was like, like professional baseball player dick, and Alexa lights up. Well, she's reaching <laughs> out to see what she can get for you. Brian's normal requests. <laughs> <laughs> What uh, um what are some other favorite places that you got excited about traveling to during the summer? Did you ever work at Wrigley Field? No, didn't go to Wrigley, man. I went to this the interview Montreal. is over. <laughs> hey, I know. Uh, went to Montreal. That's uh, awesome. Philly, a veterans Veterans Stadium was cool. Um, but Shea was cool because it was the time. I mean, it was a dirty stadium, terrible stadium. But uh, uh, we were playing the Mets, and uh, me and another bat boy were wandering through under the stadium a couple hours before the game, and Ron Darling and Dykstra were under there and darling was throwing him batting practice and he got tired and so lanny was like hey kid he's got a big chaw in his mouth can you throw and i was like yeah I can throw so i got in there and threw you know 10 15 <laughs> minutes to him and to, um to darling or hey to, random, to, hey, to, random to, child uh, Dystra, you, nails hey, random child. you threw you threw 10 minutes worth of, of fucking baseball BP, at, yeah. at lenny dykstra who is now like one of the greasiest pieces of shit oh, to God. ever come is out he? of the sport I, he is, huh, dude? Creepy, well, dude. Well, just, I mean, real estate scams. Like, what did you do with your money, asshole? Weird. Like, some troubled fellas yeah. on that team. Some dude. troubled fellas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a yeah, weird Yeah, we had to team. have uh, guards. Um, we, we, the Padres were, like, second to last place. They'd swept us four games in a row. And to get out to the bus, we had to have New York City Police Department, arm in arm, probably, like, 15, 30 of them, 15 on one side and 15 on the other. And we had to run to our bus because the people were shaking the bus. And we were just the lowly Padres. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What? What? Oh, be, they were that they were that angry. They were just fired up. Yeah. It was crazy. It yeah. San Diego is so mellow, you know. The yeah, that's fans are so mellow. That's the other thing I was going to say to you is like everything. Like I remember I went to a Bears Chargers game and this one I was still uh-huh. really into football. And, you know, being a Bears fan, I was like ready for whatever. I'm like, yeah, you, I'm going to wear my jersey and everyone fucks with me or whatever. It's San Diego. I'll kick some uh-huh. fucking ass. Like, I'm all, yeah. t- I'm all tough. And this guy, I had my last name in the back of my jersey. He goes, hey, man, I don't remember anybody with the last name Huck playing in Chicago. And I turn around and go, yeah, it was my uncle. He played one year, 74. Dude, you got a problem with that? And he goes, what, dude? No, man. You want to go get beers? And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, man, we're going to this bar over here. I go, 
what? No, dude, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> but all the dude wanted to do was hang out. I was like, well, <laughs> this is different. Tell us more and, about your uncle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which was a lie. So I didn't want to have to be like, I don't really have it. You could have spun play. the web on that one if you had to. But yeah, and player and, and the Padre Stadium now is one of the nicest oh, uh, isn't it? parks. I mean, the way they built it in, it's like a Camden Yard. It's like it's such a yeah. beautiful and you're in San Diego. But you worked at Qualcomm, right? That's where yeah, you, you were? worked in the yeah. other one. Yeah. It was Jack Murphy when I was Jack there. Murphy, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But just the fans, I mean, I've gone down, I've been probably to like four or five Cubs games in, in San Diego and Every time, everybody, no matter where you sit, like there's certain places in Dodger Stadium you just don't sit in another jersey because you're yeah. gonna get you're gonna it's gonna be miserable for you. But in San Diego, there isn't anything like that. I sat in the owner's box one day and they just asked me to turn my Cubs hat around. I was like, oh, wow. I'll just take it off, man. And they're like, Okay, yeah, that'd be yeah. better. I'm like, Yeah, I'm not that'd trying to be better. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just really yeah. looking forward to sitting behind home plate. Now, what about yeah. the Croc family? Did you have any interactions with them back then? <clears throat> no, you know, Ray Ray passed away. I think what it was like in 1980 or something like that. And then, uh, no, Joan Croc. I saw her once, just up in the front office. Uh, saw her, yeah, but that no, nah, I didn't see her much. So I didn't realize that. So so Ray Croc owned the Padres. Yeah, the McDonald's people owned yeah. the Padres. Yeah. Oh, so I think in 1974 they sucked so bad that he got on the speaker and apologized to all the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. my God, that's hilarious! First of all, there's a yeah. lot of organizations that could have done that over the years and should have done it over the years. Um, by the way, that movie doesn't paint him in a very good. No, my mom goes, he doesn't. <laughs> he didn't seem like a nice guy. I was like, no, ah. just just to his definitely to his wife and definitely the old McDonald's brothers. It's just they didn't paint a very good picture of him. After no, that. yeah, so, no. but his but 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 Joan, then they they didn't make her. She seemed like she ended up. And maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but it seemed like Joan Croc was was well respected and very nice person, and and and, and a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Was yeah, she they, known for being they, doing a lot of philanthropy in, in San Diego. Oh, correct. Oh yeah, she. They just opened a Joan Croc uh, Center, like uh, I don't know, about ten years ago. <clears throat> Beautiful place for uh, underprivileged kids. So yeah, nice. real nice. Oh, did did well with her money. So you did the. But, so you did your tour. So you basically three seasons. You did three mm-hmm. seasons. Of 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 it, and in in the end, uh, when it was your last day, were you just kind of like burnt out, or did you kind of like realize? I don't want to say like Mary Tyler Moore, like one last look when the lights are going off, but like what was when you were like I'm done, or did you have this mentality of like well, I could come back if I wanted to? Like how how was it for you when you finally after this crazy journey and you're leaving this place? Like what was that like? Even though you were yeah, soaking I, wet because you had stuff dumped on you. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it, it didn't phase me. It was like, cool, on to the next, uh, you know, advantage. I went, uh, surfing was huge in my life. And, uh, yeah, I just went and surfed. That's yeah, I think that's pretty I much think, what I I think that's a typical, not the surfing part, but the rest of the attitude is the typical 18-year-old. Like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to go be an adult or grow up or go mm-hmm. do something else. And, like, this is the next day. Exactly. And, you know, kind of cling to that because at a certain extent, in a certain sense, you don't see it as being something you can do for the rest of your life. But was there a moment I, yeah. later in life where you like sat down and right you were now. like, all of a sudden, no, I'm just saying <laughs> clearly before. I should have went back. Yeah. I, I was like, I should have just said, Hey, it's me again. And you got a job in the front office, whatever, you know, but I, I don't know. It just wasn't my calling. You know, I, I, I felt like I just had a great time and I saw what, what was, how it was and it was all good. But I mean, when you look back on it now, do you ever start, do you still get like warm and fuzzy sometimes when you think back on oh. certain moments and like the experience that you had? Like I said, that, that weird, was there any specific moment where like you maybe had to run some, like something happened where like the crowd exploded so intensely and you were like, I get this. I get why dudes oh. do this. 
yeah oh you know you're sitting on the bench it's you know bottom of the ninth one you're like i remember bochi hit a home run to take a walk off and everybody gets off the bench and you're just feeling it you know i got i mean not to be fruity but i got chills now just running out and high-fiving you know, and I have my mom, my mom, bless her heart. She, she, uh, recorded every game on VHS. So oh. I have, I have hours and hours and hours of stuff to go through of me high-fiving players as they come across home play, you know, just, just the coolest, the you should coolest di- stuff. digitize that and then put it to a, put just clips of you high-fiving different players <laughs> to music. Well, you know, it's, you know, what's weird is like, uh, you know, Brian got a hold of me. And then the other day, a comedian in, uh, I believe Montana, Mark Dawson, real good guys, buddies with Louie Anderson. He comes through there all the time, but mm-hmm. he's like, dude, I want to write a book about you. And I'm like, get out of here. You know? And he's like, cause you're, he's a huge baseball guy. And he's heard all my comedy store antics, you know, being banned and all that kind of stuff. So he's like, dude, you know, everybody's writing a book. He's like, let's write one. And I was like, okay. Sounds like, you know, maybe something I could try. I was just, honestly, as we were having this talk, I was like, man, I wonder if he's thought about writing a screenplay about this because, yeah, because part of me is like, you could make a real funny comedy, especially Mm -hmm. a young kid comedy about being a bat boy. Yeah, especially the time because, you know, a lot of people don't have perspective of like you, you, we all come from a time of um, bad news bears. It's just that life was, oh, yeah, the whole world was your little league coach drank. Different at practice. It's just different. Well, I, I I drink when I coach the kids. But. See, okay, things haven't changed that much. But like, I'm bringing it back. But there was like, but but that time, especially that was like, I mean, I, I you probably hear arguments from other people, but to me, that's like a golden era of baseball, like a time when Goose Gossage, like that it's guy, still there, yeah. That guy was uh, he's a legend. I mean, he was the dude. I, I was scared watching him walk to the mound. I was like, oh, dude, I would never face that dude on. A, I would run. I would run. He terrified me as a pitcher. I was like, oh yeah. Got more characters, just guys with like big Raleigh fingers. Like, dude, yep. like the seventies and eighties were the best baseball ever, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, big, besides yeah. twenty sixteen, twenty sixteen was the best year of baseball of all time. But that's okay. Yeah, it was. Um, it's, I mean, it's just it's 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 an amazing journey. I I have to be honest with you. My previous youth. Full self is in complete envy of you and oh, jealous man. of you. I can't imagine doing <laughs> for the that. life that you got to live. And I'm assuming I was just lucky, man. I was just lucky. Right and place, right time. And it sounded yeah. like you dated a lot back then. <sighs> I did. Between eighty five and eighty seven. Uh, he so, surfed, so. lived in San Diego, worked for the Padres. Nah, he didn't. He ignored the ladies. <laughs> hey. No, I had some fun, bro. And then doing comedy after that, it's just, it's been a dream just living. And I'm, I live in Mexico now. I mean, if you guys are, I'm promoting shows down there. What are you, you guys, still doing comedy down yeah, there? Yeah. He's in Baja, you're Baja, right? Yeah. I live down uh, in between Rosarito and Ensenada and I, I sell craft beer. I'm opening a place I tomorrow. I thought you said I sell crack because it's legal down <laughs> here. Like, so come on down guys, get an, get an addiction. <laughs> Got a nice crack house you can stay in. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm um, yeah. doing a club down there. So uh, I bring comics down for like three, four day, uh, you know, Wednesday through Saturday or whatever. We yeah, have John and I will come down and do a Hollywood Anonymous. What? Uh, uh, yeah, dude. First of all, I want Padres tickets. And second of all, uh, I want a weekend. Well, <laughs> that's where I screwed up. See, this is how long Wes and I have been talking about this. Remember, he we made that gone, offer yeah. to go down and do it on the field. We should have done that. with him. We can always do another one we, some other time. and We can set something up for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, what an, I, I'm just, dude, I'm so glad we'll, we'll have to have you on again to talk about the comedy store days and, and the banning stuff mm-hmm. and your club you and the room and the, the, yeah. the beer and maybe all that. that's what we'll do. John and I will do a traveling Hollywood anonymous in Mexico. Dude, let's, let's plan it. That's Me- how Mexico we do it. anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll just call it whatever Hollywood anonymous is in, 
in uh, in Spanish. La, ho- La Hollywood Anonymous. <laughs> Just add an O. Just add an O, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> You'll help us with that part. But no, man, what, a, what an amazing journey. Um, thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, and, man, uh, that's really, I mean, and of course, we're going to, you know, preempt this by telling people that listen to the podcast that this is a pretty baseball-heavy uh, episode, but it was... It is, I, but it was so, I mean, it's it? so much I mean, it's, fun. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we talk about meditation and baseball. That's pretty much everything we talked about. <laughs> Look, man, it. Uh, um, I got to be honest with you. Like um, the one, the other, the only other story, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this because it, it really is about how we all live in this world um, where we're exposed to a lot of quote unquote famous people, and you can either be jaded by it mm-hmm. and kind of just dismiss it, like, eh, whatever, or you can realize that the majority of people in this world will never get to experience many of the things. Mm-hmm. that we experience because of our journeys, right? Like, yep. that's the thing. And especially, I never forget the child part of me that is fascinating. I used to, I joke with people all the time that I've met Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh-huh. and I was, I was more excited to meet William Catt because he was the greatest American hero, and Lou Ferrigno yeah. because he was the Hulk, and that was my childhood. And I was more of a babbling moron with them than I was with Tom Cruise and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. because that was my childhood. And, the, yep. and I, I will wrap it up with this since this is the baseball thing. When we were at um, the, uh, the Cubs game um, in, in uh, Arizona at spring training, they had a bunch of legendary uh, Cubs that were hanging out there, uh, and and also for whatever reason, Daryl Evans was there, which I believe he played for the Detroit Lions back in the day. <laughs> but the guys that they were there, the and guys, the football player, the guys right. that you could go in and meet were um, uh, um, uh, Bob Bill, Bill Madlock, which he was not, he was yeah. not there. Uh, Gary Matthews, the Sarge, the Sarge, uh-huh. Bill Buckner, yes, Billy Buck, Bobby Dernier, Dernier, love him, and Lee wow. Smith. God, Lee Smith was yeah. fucking awesome. So you could yeah. walk. So I didn't know this, right? I'm just walking around the stadium, just to, and all of a sudden, I I see this sign that's got those names on it, and I'm kind of like, Are no, they no, I, today? I just <laughs> just to put it in perspective, the, I, I own one childhood poster of a baseball player, and it's Bill Buckner. That's what I. That's who I grew up to. That's how my yeah. mom. My mom introduced me to baseball, and Bill Buckner was like the, the famous baseball. Cub at that yeah. time. His first base when I played first base, all that stuff. Like so, that was my identity. So I see this, and I'm wandering around with my wife, and she sees me kind of shaking. And it's a weird thing because, like, you know, again, what I do for a living and the people I'm around, like, I don't get that way. And, mm-hmm. and, and she saw me kind of transform. She's like, do you want to go in there? And I stuck my head and I go, no, I'm good. And she saw, like, the panic on my face of, like, I'm good. And so and yeah. it's the seventh inning of the game, she sneaks 20 bucks to my my oldest son Tanner and she's like pretend like you got to go get some for your dad and then take him in there and make sure that he gets Bill Buckner's autograph and a picture with him. Nice. And so my kid walks me in there and uh Bill Buckner signing an autograph and he's like he walks up to my son walks up to me he goes he walks up to Bill Buckner. He goes, "Hi, is this the guy, Dad? Is this the guy?" <laughs> oh my yeah, you, god! And I was like, bah, 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 bah. "I'm like, oh, and, and, and like literally, it was just and it, but it was such a genuine, cute moment." And Bobby Dernier is sitting next to Bill Buckner and just starts razzing me and like is going off. Oh, and so I'm like, "Yeah," and like I didn't know what to do. Like I'm like, "Bill, you Buckner. let Bill Buckner and fucking Bob Dernier make fun of you." That's no, what Bill you Buckner's do. a very straight shooting guy for the most part. And I think Bill Buckner. Yeah. The interesting thing about it is he's a little bit on edge because of the '86 Mets going back to the Mets thing. For, mm-hmm. Like the guy has hurt some shit in his life so there's yeah. a part of him he's super nice and he's obviously he's come to terms with that shit 
But you know, mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about, Wes, was that the people in New York are they they in Boston, Relentless. like they were they they could be dicks, yeah. like straight yeah. up dicks, and and he had to deal with that for years in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. That whole that whole Mets series, right? So. And I'm sure he probably took shit in New York too, like the, the reverse of it. Like, aha, thanks, buddy, forever. thanks, buddy, thanks, buddy. Essentially, right? Ray Finkel is him. Yeah. From so, Ace Ventura. So um, <laughs> I'm there, and Bobby Dernier, like talking, and I'm like, Dernier, you know, uh, 80, you know, you guys back in '84, man. I'm like, and talking, and I'm like, and I, I see, like, I need, I need to talk to Bill Buckner. I need to deal with this. Like, this is a thing. Like, I never thought it would be. Again, going back to my childhood, never thought it was going to, you know be a thing in my life right and mm-hmm. so finally i just went over and li- i was little, i'm not gonna lie to you guys i had had a few and so i didn't <laughs> but i didn't want to be that drunk slobbering like you know middle-aged guy you, bill yeah. buckner kiss me yeah. but i was just like bill buckner and like I, I like right right away and i could see him as like where is this fucking going please god guy? let right. it be positive but thank god because I, I think having my son there i think kind of brought it down a notch yeah, yeah, Dernier, yeah. Dernier kind of like being like Dernier and like just being like that brass brassy guy, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went over and I was like, man, I just I just want you to know that um, you're the only the only poster I ever had hanging in my room last week, and um, you know. And he was like, oh wow, thanks a lot, man. And I was just like, I just I just want you to know, like you were my childhood hero, so thank you very much. Shook his hand and and my son's like, here's twenty bucks, Mister. Can you do something with my? And I was like, oh, all right, okay. Like all of a sudden it becomes. It's like. We get, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, oh, you, what do you want, a baseball? Whatever. I'm like, baseball. And like, I'm like, can I have a picture? With, how much for a picture with you? Just, I just want a document that I made. He's like, oh, it's yeah. free, man. It's free. Relax. And like, and Bobby here is just, just fucking throwing shit, dude. Just throwing shade. Because he sees it. And then Dernier is like talking to us. And he's like, oh, my God. Your kid is so nice to you. Like, whatever. And he's like, let's take some pictures with these guys. And it was just like a great, all of a sudden for that moment, I was like, guys, just, and I, like, then I had to do that, that final exit. I'm like, just th- thank you, everybody. Thank like, you for everything. Good thank night. You. But I was genuine about it. Yeah. I was like, they, no, I go, man. I go, it's I apologize cute. for being who I am. But I go, thank you for my childhood. That's all I just want to say. Thank yeah. you for my childhood. And they're like, dude, it's all good. Like, yeah. I just, it was just, I, I became like a weird, gushy like in my mind, like a loser that needed to get the fuck out nah. of there. And but that's, like that's what based, but that's what it meant to me. And you know? it's cute. You've always been cute. I mean, that's that's you. When and I think the, Brian Irwin, I think cute. And that's the story of how. Do you still br- do the pong? Do you still do the pong joke? I don't do the pong. I've retired. Oh, that's a great yet. joke, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've retired. I did. I almost bought a pong. They, now you're like everything of our past is sold now. I um, there was a pong yeah. shirt. I almost bought it just because I was like, oh my god, the pong joke. But then I was like, nah, it's too dead on. I can't be doing. Nobody that. gets it anymore. No. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you guys, my phone's about ready to die. Yeah, you're done. I just yeah, wanted to wrap yeah. it up with that story, yeah. just to put a button on the whole spring training. You, Wes, you're awesome. I hope we do get together in Mexico. We will turn it into a complete podcast. It would be amazing to do that. We'll take nice. this puppy on the road and have some fun with it. Uh, bless you, buddy. Uh, enjoy your time down there. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, Brian, it. John, thanks. You guys are great. Take thanks, care. buddy. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye, man. Later. Later. So wow. there it is. That was uh, I, I, it was a long time in coming, but yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that was definitely worth it. I mean, we'll talk to him again about the comedy store and comedy, and yeah. his club and craft beer and all that jazz. But <laughs> the craft beers, but yeah. like, I mean, that was great. And I, again, we we know this is a very baseball heavy issue, but obviously, baseball is very important to both of us, and uh, we tried to tie it into Hollywood as best we could. No, but he but he shared an experience. Like it was a child to me. The story was I'm a kid, yeah, and I'm around people who are on TV all the time. And that that thousands, tens of thousands of people go to stare at, yeah. and cheer on on a nightly basis. So uh, th- that's to me was how this was all relatable. Of like, what a unique experience that is. Yeah. 
to be a part of that, and especially after seeing my kids go through it. Yeah, uh, that which is another amazing story that they got to be bat boys together as brothers. There is now no. Well, I was a bat boy for the Brewers, and you sat in the stands. So there's this there's this great scene. I know I keep saying this is the end of it, but I but probably won't really ever talk about this again. But there's this great moment. Like I I uh, what think the nice thing about the MLB Network, if you can spend the money to get the MLB Network, you should. It's like unlike the NFL that's just constantly trying to steal your money. MLB just wants to share everything with you. They yeah. just want you to be true fans, right? Yeah. And um, I know I'm sounding more and more John about the negative NFL thing, but I just I feel NFL like they're just getting garbage. a little bit too they're getting a little bit too rich for their pants, and it's just they're they're, they're just they're, it's like they're pushing away a guy like me who loves the NFL specifically the Packers. So that being said, um, I get home, uh, power went out, and I had recorded the game on MLB Network, and the power went out. It didn't record, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't record the game that my kids were in. I go to MLB Network. And it's there. Archived. It's archived. And so I go through with the kids, and we're watching the game that they're in. And even they, like, they're all sitting there together, and I'm like, I'm pausing on scene. And there's this great, there's this great moment where they, they interview guys in the dugout, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the kids' job is to, they have to stay, everything that they do, the bats, the balls, uh, the warm-up stuff, the weights and all that stuff that they put out, the rosin bags, are, are all in little buckets right there. They have to come out and they have to dump them out and like do the thing. So they're always right there along. Plus, they have to stay out of the way from foul balls, right? So the headphones hang right there to, in, to be interviewed by the guys in the booth. And so there's this great shot of one of the coaches is being interviewed. And behind them are my two kids awesome. having a conversation between the two of them about God knows, knows what. what. Yeah. Well, this guy's being interviewed, and I'm like, oh, my God, my kids are so comfortable during a baseball game that a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old are in a dugout Chad. with, Chad. like, ridiculously famous baseball players going, yeah, so anyway, you know, we'll do over there. Pokemon or whatever kids like. <laughs> Childhood stuff. Right there, I was like, that's a wrap, everybody. That's yeah. that's done. Loving every second of it. That's awesome great. This. So, yeah. So, baseball... Even if you don't love it, you gotta love. You gotta uh, love the it. Childhood. Exp- <laughs> no, you gotta love the childhood experience of being able to do something unique like Wes did, like my kids did. Yeah, I agree. That's our show. Uh, I'll be at the DC Comedy Loft <laughs> August eighth and 9th. midweek shows. If you live in the DC area, uh, surrounding areas, come on out. And then I'll be at the Helium Comedy Club with Dan Cummins uh, September twenty seventh to the 29th. And at some point, we're going to be in Mexico. And at some point, look for the Hollywood Anonymous podcast from uh, Mexico. Oh, we're doing it. I'm not kidding. Okay. We're going to do it. Oh, all right. he's, you heard him. He said just, look, how many invites have we gotten on this show to do anything? Nothing. None. Okay. Zero. Not. Zip. Zilch. <laughs> nada. We've had invites to stay away from places, if that's what you call I don't even call it an invite. Actually, that's not true. You did get a role on Dreamcore LLC that is true. Dan Stesson yeah, um, because, because of that. Yeah. Because of, you met him through here. So, okay. And, so, yeah. two things. Two things. All right. All right cool. Right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 